Welcome to the third episode of the Hashtag Wolves podcast. My name, I'm here with my co-host, Will. How are we doing? I'm good. Right now, we've got the Wolves sitting at an 18-13 and 13 record with a winning streak of one after the Portland game. Woo. Uh, and some of the things that we saw from the week was a really, really strong performances from Jimmy. That wasn't just since our last episode. That was over the whole five-game homestand. And that especially rang true in the Sacramento game where he went seven for 10 from the floor. And it was in a game where we definitely needed it from Jimmy. I know Carl played well too. Yeah. Yeah. Like you said, with Butler going seven for 10, Towns 11 for 16 and Wiggins nine for 17. I do repeat nine for 17. Yep. Good so I, I will, I will set my qualms aside for a bit, but later in this podcast, I think we'll, we'll get back to him maybe. Mm-hmm. I honestly, I just have to cover the, the town, town's quote. I'm assuming it was before the game, given that he was excited about his performance. He had 30 points, 14 rebounds, and said after the game, I came to be an assassin tonight, not a basketball player. Will and I are still trying to parse what that means, but we're happy for him, right? Yeah, I'm still really frustrated that he stole my line. And, oh, yeah. yeah. I, no and I have played on some intramural basketball teams together and, I've been known to be an assassin out there, even if I don't play defense. You know, sharing our physics classes, I came to be an assassin. I'm yes. a physics student. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> and I, I was just thinking how bad that would be if he gave up like 25 transition points like he can, you know, after the Sixers lost. If, if he's, you know, I came to be an assassin tonight. Like, mm, I, don't, I don't think it would have played as well with the media. You got to pick and choose your opportunities yeah. to say that you were an assassin on the basketball court. But in today's age of uh, Bleacher Report Instagram quotes, it, it plays well. Yes. I'm, I'm sure he was catering towards that and got a lot of likes. So, yeah, overall for the, the Sacramento game, solid. Just kind of a, like a, a no if or buts, solid win. I understand that the bad team, but 10 and 20 as of recording this podcast. But the line was 11, and we won by 23. So I feel it's you can go ahead and say it's a solid win. And just to have a third quarter, 31 to 16, I feel that's sort of almost a Warriors-esque quarter. You know, when you when you watch them on ESPN, they're down by 10. I, I was with our friend Ben when he was betting on a game once, and the Warriors sort of put up a quarter similar to this. And just watching it made me feel like, hey, we have the talent and the, the athleticism to pull off these kind of quarters, maybe not as consistently as they do. But it's there. There was a 13-0 run in this quarter. I don't, I mean, I, don't, I didn't pull it up, but I don't know if that happened last year. It's tough to find. And yeah, like I said before, just Butler and Towns with a solid game and Wiggins actually being efficient, which is good to see. And I think that to some degree helped prove me right that maybe a Wiggins efficiency could be kind of the way to get to the next step on this team. And a stat that really caught my attention and sort of silences a lot of this panic is that this is the third best start in franchise history after through 29 games in a Wolf season per the AP recap. And so to look at all this panic and whatnot and, you know, oh, is Tibbs the right coach? Is Towns going to play defense? People are still up on Wiggins, which confuses me. But, I mean, the, the numbers are there. I mean, we can go into if they're little wins, if they're big wins, but they're there. And this is the third best start, even given kind of the KG-esque era. So I'm, if someone would have told me that before the year began, I would have been happy with that. And I think you would agree. Definitely considering where they are too in the West. Like you mentioned, you know, the, the way that they're winning, is it sustainable? And you, you can pick apart some of the games, but ultimately they're getting wins. 
And when you have a young team that's still coming together, despite the fact that it's not the first week of the season anymore, nope, not at all. but uh, that chemistry uh, is something that will continue to be worked on throughout the entire season to have the third best start in franchise history is I think something to be, to be really, really encouraged about. And like you're saying, this is, this is 31 games of the year. There's high school teams in Minnesota who don't play 31 games, right? Mm-hmm. Or around that. Or athletes on those teams that don't see the floor for all those games. Yeah, we know that too well. In my personal um, account. <laughs> so, and, you know, if you're someone in the crowd, and I mean, usually those people in the crowd are biased parents, but let's pretend it's like a sports writer. Yep. And you're watching this team for the 28th game. You're not going to come out with these takes that like, oh, they, you know, they're, they're, they're 700 on the year, but they just really didn't get those good wins against, you know, Breck. But so I, I think it's, it's time that we can start calling this a good team. Yep. A playoff team. I mean, the Houston and Golden State are sort of in you know, the, the elite league of the NBA right now, but I'm fine with being this whole four or five seed. After all this hype, I, I guess that I'm talking about, there was a a different type of game against Phoenix that you should probably cover. Yeah, definitely. the The Sacramento game inspired a lot of confidence because it was really a runaway win, which we haven't seen much from the Timberwolves. A lot of their games are really, really mm-hmm. close. And beginning of the season, we saw like the runaway losses against like the Pacers and things like that. So yep. it was good just to prove sort of the margin of victory haters wrong, I guess. <laughs> right. And then, like you said, you, you compare that with Saturday versus Phoenix, which was a, a bad loss to a bad Phoenix team. And how that really is shown is by looking at some of the differentials from the game. So the Suns bench scored 69 points to the Wolves, 20 points, and 10 of the 20 points came from just Tyus. So some of that is the Suns bench players really having the games of their life. But I mean, that, it'd be interesting Wolves, to go back and see when's the last time a bench scored 69 points. Yeah, it's it's absolutely crazy. I think I heard that some of the Suns bench players played more than the starters. So okay. I don't know what Tibbs possibly his He probably pulled out even more of his hair at the <laughs> thought of that. And then his team lost on top of that. So the Suns bench really killed us. The Wolves had 23 more field goal opportunities than the Suns and still lost. They forced 27 turnovers to the Suns, just forcing seven, which similar turned to the Sixers game. Very similar to the Sixers game. So a little bit of a trend there of forcing lots and lots of turnovers, showing that the Wolves can play defense, but then not being able to pull out the win in a close game. And then the last differential I thought was really telling was that the Suns went 31 for 35 at the free throw line, and the Wolves went 17 for 24. So Mm -hmm. clearly a more concerted effort to get there. There was a foul late in the game on Jeff Teague where he jumped into a three-point shooter, which... They play defense for a really good 23 seconds of the shot clock, and then he makes a mistake, which sent Tyler Eulis or no, Isaiah Cannon to line, I think, at the end of the game to sink it. So uh, at the end, the Wolves had a shot with Jimmy Butler from mid-range to sink it, but you shouldn't really be in that position against the Suns. No. And and I also want to touch on just the even getting to the line aspect. I can, I can see here that the Suns were more efficient at the line, but even getting to there... A lot of what builds into these advanced stats that a lot of these sites are trying to build for an apples-to-apples apples t- comparison, just simply sometimes as a big part of the formula as FTR, or just like your free throw rate, like how often you get to the line. Just because 
even if I'm a bad shooter and I throw up a crappy layup, but I'm able to kind of, you know, push through the lane and get a foul, I'm there for two shots. So just the fact that they get off 35 shots versus 24 and they're more efficient and there's a bench scoring. I mean, it's more, we always talk about these, like these box score games where you just sort of scroll through like your app on your phone and you're like, okay, I, I can, I can see what happened here. Like we, we dropped the ball. It's a game where we're supposed to, we're supposed to win. You know, if we get more shots and we're a better offensive team, the Wolves aren't known for being a bad offensive team. If anything, our defense enforcing turnovers is probably an issue. So if we have that opportunity against a Phoenix team, let's pull it together. So there's just not really an excuse, I, I would say. I definitely agree. And the, the free throws made a difference, but you would think you'd be outweighed by the Wolves getting so many more opportunities by forcing so many turnovers. But they really just let the lead slip in the second half and in the fourth quarter kind of ran out of gas. And we haven't even touched on the really important advantage that the Wolves had. They were playing in strobe lights that night. Their state, their green statement uniforms. Noah, I'm going to put you on the spot. Your thoughts on the statement unis. Go. You know me. Like I, like, I, I, I try to fly low on these things. So I'm like usually not like, big, like checking out the unis. I've never heard more talk about uniforms than this year. Mm-hmm. What I will say, I think they were like less bright or less annoying than the pictures, which isn't saying much. I understand, but I think they were watchable okay I, have you ever seen like Baylor's neon uniforms yeah and civil basketball i don't think they're as, as bad as that i think they're i think you could wear it and not just look like a, a goon or something you know just goofy so i thought it was, it was all right i'm more of a typical jersey kind of guy but i get the whole statement aspect of it 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 makes us talk about it it attracts the media to it so i guess i'm okay with it if it brings dollars to the nba yeah and is I, my cynical take <laughs> uh, i had heard from people who were actually at the game that they were more tolerable yep. in person but they were also brighter so i don't know what happens hmm. if I'll i were have to dive deeper on <laughs> yeah, that exactly. i don't really know what that means if i were running the team i'd think more of a uniform with a twist of lime would be better but they kind of went mm. like full on spritz into that thing and it was it was a little much for me but yeah i'd be more of the like at that point why don't you just slap 34 sponsors on it and generate some just, revenue and just let way. it roll yeah yeah definitely by sprite the way the the color scheme <laughs> yeah. was was mapped out so we we lose to Phoenix on Sunday in a really close game and then have a comeback win of our own against Portland on Monday. It started out as a pretty ugly game, especially with the Blazers shooting a great percentage and Wiggins and Towns starting slowly. I didn't really have much faith in our offense, but the positives of the game really from start to finish were Jimmy Butler's scoring and you you wrote down here jimmy 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 he was the positives of the game there so uh he started out scoring steadily and even in one of the commercial breaks fsn ran a december to remember segment it really couldn't have been more timely because he must have like heard it on the sideline somehow because he carried us to the win in the fourth quarter and crawford also played a pretty good game kind of living up to that microwave off the bench role it was really Amazing to watch him score down the stretch. For Portland, CJ McCollum played pretty well. I'm a, I'm a big fan of his as another player around the league. Uh, he killed us one on one. Nurkic played well and Ed Davis was probably picking glass out of his teeth. He was eating us up on the board so <laughs> bad. So ultimately there was a point where the Wolves were down eight minutes left in the fourth quarter and came back to win 
and Jim Peterson had tweeted out some pictures about the last time that had happened for the Timberwolves, the comeback win like that. And Luke Ridnour was on the team and hit a runner Ooh. to win it. So that's that very old timey. Yeah. yeah, it was real old timey. That's why scene. we're not competing with the the Rockets and the Warriors right now is Luke Ridnour. Yeah, that's true. He, he we could use a little bit more wing depth, and he did play two for Maybe us. Maybe a little more a busted ankle Pekovich. Yep. Yeah. yeah, just bring it all back. Just bring trying it. to justify the reason I have his jersey. Yeah, that's yeah. We need to get some more miles out of that thing. So <laughs> Portland is a pretty good team. After the game, I checked, and they were slated in the fifth spot in the West. So we beat a playoff team, which is always good to see, because especially this homestand, I didn't think we played a lot of inspired or really menacing competition. But Portland's a good team, and Lillard didn't hurt us too much, and we were able to scrape out the win again, thanks to Jimmy Butler. Yeah, I I, I want to give more credit to Butler, and honestly, maybe less credit to Crawford. His stats... Were there this game? There's just there's there's no doubt about that. He came off, and he was the so-called microwave yep. off the bench. But I think that's almost just like, and this is probably me hating on Crawford. To so stop me if I'm getting out of, I will. out of I, bounds. I will. Set. Don't worry. Um, but I think it's just variance. You know what I mean? Like if you're gonna come out and you're just gonna be crazy and you're gonna shoot whenever you want, pretty much off the bench. Because you look at Crawford's box score; he doesn't have a ton of shots off the bench, maybe. But it's because he doesn't have a ton of minutes. Like we're comparing this guy to Wiggins and Towns, so of course he has less shots than them. But he, when he is on the floor, this man is shooting, and so that can that can lead you to you know a Black Mamba eighty-one point game, or it can lead you to going one for seven. And so I, I think these things balance out, and I think this was a good night at a good time. I'm happy for him, but I, I just it was it, I'm I'm maybe partially heated about this segment. A certain coworker who loves like Wiggins and Crawford, who knows how to get me going, um, came in and was just like, "Yeah, like Crawford, like look at him, like, great game." And I just in my head, I just had like sample size of one and all these things, but like I'm, it was a good game, but I, I don't know, like I would attribute it more to Jimmy sort of coming out as the leader of this team. Yeah, I I'd agree with your some of your Crawford take. Uh I'd spin it like a little bit differently in that he uh I think his role is different than Wiggins. He doesn't need to score consistently, especially if Belly comes back. Right now we we really need him to be more consistent off the bench, but in this game where Jimmy started out really well and really closed out the fourth quarter, there was uh this point starting in the fourth quarter where the Wolves didn't have scoring options and Crawford is a guy that can go get you a couple buckets with some jumpers. And if there are nights when he's off, it's really frustrating to see analytically or just watching the games. But this night he was really dialed in and gave the wolf some buckets to say, okay, we can actually get back to this game. And Jimmy took over from there. So do you think that his variants lined up on the right night? Or do you think that he has sort of this clutch gene? Like, Hey, I know we need this spark now. I'm going to go ahead because I've seen him do this, this stuff in like the second quarter when it's not really needed. Maybe cat has a mismatch down low and he takes like a mid range too. Yeah. Based on the way he was able to get a shot and the way, the way he chose to go attack when there weren't really other scores on the floor made me think it was more of the clutch gene or veteran presence. But I do see a lot of that variance that you're talking about where he, takes lots of these ill-advised shots and when it's not going it 
just it's pretty detrimental to the team. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't mean to knock down his his veteran like aura or like his leadership in the locker room because I've heard only good things about that comes from Seattle area and is just like basically obsessed through and through with developing these young guys. There's rumors that's why he came here, mm-hmm. all those good things. And I saw a couple articles this week about him expecting more minutes. I, so like it's this whole me balancing the whole thing. I know that he's good in the locker room, but I just get confused as to why he expects to be like sixth man of the year, which mm-hmm. I mean he's sort of known for. But I think it's getting to that time where we have potentially maybe other guys for the sixth man of the year as well as just general age and phasing out of Crawford. Yep. Mm-hmm. And you you take the good with the bad with Crawford. So when he has one of these good like microwave games. Like, let's recognize, okay, that's the good. And yes, when the bad's yes, happening, totally. let's hope that our other starters are going. Because we, we needed him when Wigan, with Wiggins not scoring. So well maybe a spin of my take is that it averages out to being a, po- a net positive. Yep. Which, yep. which is quite all right with me. I think it's worth what we got him for. Yep. I'm happy that we got Boz for the minimum. So, yeah. Sa- yes. Salaries are working out, besides Peck salary. Definitely. <laughs> we, and, we, and the jersey sales, as we yes. touched upon. <laughs> so, we, we can GM talk later, but right. uh, how, how would you how would you summarize this week? Well, we, we went 2-1, which uh, I think is okay. We beat a good Portland team, which I would classify as a good win, especially considering the comeback, but lost to a bad Phoenix team. And that's really frustrating. I think with this small chunk that we're looking at for this episode, you would want to go three and oh, a loss to the Blazers wouldn't be a bad loss. But if we want to hold our fourth spot in the West, you are kind of four, five, yeah. six range. You want to start to string together some wins as well. It's something that we haven't really seen the Wolves do quite yet. Yeah, I think it's something that first through third teams sort of do, like where you see Houston just plow through. I mean, what Chris Paul, I don't know if it's changed, but if Chris Paul had a streak of games where he hadn't lost since he came back, they're going for their 15th. I, yeah. I think it's, it's still active. That's just not something we're going to do. We're right. We're too hectic. We're too crazy. There's too much variance. No, why not us? Players. Why not now? I, I mean, that's, that's like a bonus podcast episode. <laughs> yeah, why not now? And why not us? Mm-hmm. But I, I with two and one, like that's, you know, that, that is 66% and yeah. our record is below that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, crunch the numbers, run the scripts. That pops out as a pretty decent week. I know you could have some more takes maybe with the whole three and two on the homestand. Yeah, so we also wrapped up five-game homestand, which as fans here gave us a chance to just see our team more closely, and they obviously get to kind of string more practice time together in one spot. And some of the things that we saw were – you know, Jimmy getting a lot more, we are playing really well and getting a lot more attention for that. Marcus George's hunt got a few more minutes here and there. Can we say it's an emergence from Marcus George's hunt? I'm not really sure. I think just respect, honestly. Yep. I think people have been asking for it. He deserves it. I mean, there's points where he should be in the game because it doesn't hurt. Or, I mean, he's not a bad basketball player, so it's, give him something. Yep. You want to see him like on the box score. Yep. So I, I think it's very much at par now with what it should be. Yeah, and I'm not sure how much that's going to stay as maybe Belly comes back or Tibbs starts to play with the lineup, but he doesn't seem to be someone that you need to play situationally because he just plays good defense and does some of the right things and isn't too flashy, whereas you have players that maybe are offensive juggernauts that you need to play situationally because they create really goofy matchups. Mm-hmm. 
So he's kind of a steady player. I thought he played some solid minutes this week. And one of the last things about the homestand just was end of game performances. We saw close games kind of across the board with Dallas, Philly. Really the only runaway one was Sacramento and we got mm-hmm. the win. So definitely. Uh, and I think we saw Jimmy just kind of emerge as like, I mean, part of the reason that these, these close wins were etched out and I think, I think Jimmy knows when to take overs. I guess what I'm getting at. And I think that's a good sign of team leadership. No one, I guess there was the whole like towns debate. Is he going to be the leader? Um, Wiggins just because of his play and I guess personality. I don't really see it. So I, I think it was left up to a towns Butler debate as to like whose team is this? T- Taj, I love and everything, but I don't think he puts up numbers that kind of make you the, the headliner. And so I, I think Jimmy's it really emerged as that. I, I guess the media has definitely <laughs> grabbed hold of that. Just going seven for 10. He did have a pretty bad game against Phoenix, right? Five for 18 and then 12 for 21 in the third game. And ESPN real plus minus now has him at sixth behind Harden, James, Curry, Giannis, and Chris Paul. So it's a good company to be in. I did cherry pick a stat where he is sixth value over placement player. He's 18th. And then Towns is 17th in value over placement player and 42nd in RPM, which takes more into account defense a lot better. So I would tend to side more with uh, ESPN's analytics. But e- either way, I think we've come to the conclusion that numbers, locker room presence, and just sort of that clutch takeover gene are there. We've seen him take a lot of shots, but only when he sees that other players aren't using their mismatches or they're just not producing. And he says, here, I'll go. Like, I'll, I'll take care of this. And, and so I, I know that there's a lot of these, these stats and they have a lot of variance. And I'm, I'm probably picking ones that fit my narrative. I'll totally admit that. I, ju- I just think of it as like a bunch of nerds who have got a couple of beers in them. And they're just arguing about, you know, what's, what's the best way to optimize this and everything. You can do this all day. I don't think there's really much between the 20th and the 35th best player in the NBA right now, analytics-wise. But I think it's it's more about what he does in the locker room and what he means to the kind of Minnesota Timberwolves community, I guess. And there are also there are tiers, too, when you talk about kind of the 20, 20th to the 35th. You're looking at the good players in the league who maybe just miss out of the all-star game or, mm-hmm. or right on that uh, kind of on that bubble of players receiving votes. But when you look at Jimmy... At sixth, you are looking at one of the top two-way players in the league, which is what we were promised when he came here. And this week especially, he stepped out and showed that he's living up to that promise for sure, helping the Wolves get wins, and emerging as the leader for this team, I would say for sure. Yeah, I would. I just definitely have to agree. And I, I think the analytics have been trending that way. Well, the media has been trending that way because of the emergence of these analytics. We were, we're appreciating two-way players more now. You see Paul George, you see Westbrook, you know, ripping down rebounds, even though he seemingly really can't shoot right now. And I think that trend will only continue. I think a lot of the, the like the old Carmelo love and things like that are, is, is slowly fading. I mean, that's why Kawhi gets love, even though he's like the quietest guy ever. And most and, injured. Yeah, most just, injured. Just coming back. When he is on the court, you know, plays defense and, and like, does like efficient things as the Spurs and Pop do. But uh, I, I'm, I'm excited about the trend and I, I don't see how anyone else kind of takes Jimmy's throne, at least for like the Wolves. I mean, I think I think Carl is just too young and I, I think at times he's just not all there really with the defense and everything. Yeah, I was just going to incorporate some eye tests too. Like you have all these 
analytics listed here. But when we watched Jimmy play, like Tyus had a fast break layup that he laid in and the Suns called a timeout on Saturday. And you could see Jimmy walking off the court and messing with him yep. and saying, why didn't you put it? Or even yelling. Your, or even yelling. Right. Him. Yeah. Yeah. But put it between your legs and go around your head <laughs> where Tyus seems kind of like a straight and narrow guy where. Yeah. And to- towns will get kind of fired up at the refs. But Jimmy, Jimmy just seems to like compete, have fun. He gets fired up and gets technicals if we would need him to. He interacts with the crowd when we need him to. Yep. He just seems like he's just the, your guy. He's your guy. You yeah, know what I mean, like he's, he's your go-to. Yeah, I, I just don't. I wouldn't stop short of just saying I love Jimmy. I'm glad we have him uh, for <laughs> for so many reasons. Yeah, I, I've seen a lot of the recent like social media sentiment be like the the next KG vibe for the Wolves. I think I think it's getting there. I think KG had the Minneapolis area more captivated, but I mean it's been what half a season. So in time, we'll we'll see if he he uh, pulls it out. Yeah, closest thing we've had. Um, I loved. Kevin. Oh, definitely. I've lo- I loved Kevin Love, but Jimmy just gives a different kind of aura to him. Kevin captivated Minnesota in a different kind of way. The numbers might have totally been on par with Butler, but he wasn't a he wasn't a leader type. He, he wasn't, the media wasn't as captivated by him. Like, there's mm-hmm. just, there's just th- these other things that just weren't there. Yeah, he. It was really just the box score. Yeah, giving Kevin some credit, he was kind of a, he did do commercials pretty well as he was getting a little bit more famous. So he was a media darling in a little bit of that way, but also the team's winning now. So you incorporate that piece onto, um, yeah. what we see and we like about Jimmy. So no I want to give Kevin Love a little bit of credit. 25 for, wins. But. Yeah. Giving us a mainstay kind of a holdover between Garnett <laughs> and now the new golden age of Timberwolves basketball. That or at least what people expect out of us. Yes, exactly. Discussed. Wolves actually have a game tonight, uh, that tips off in about five minutes. So we're going to stop the recording here so we can catch the game and we'll cover the Denver game first thing next episode.